Welcome back, listeners. Last time, we looked at the inspiration, the hook, and the body of my new song, East Tennessee Valley. We have the basic structure of our song, the verses and the bridge, and we made a scratch recording at the end of our last session. In this episode, we'll create a beginning and an ending for the song. Then, we'll create a lead sheet and get down to committing to the lyrics, chords, and melody. Then we'll add other musical instruments. Next, we'll move into the studio and arrange and record the song. Then finally, we'll make a master mix of the song and publish it on the web. Hi, I'm Tim Rose, and this episode is part two of my Tim Tunes podcast, Songwriting, East Tennessee Valley, where you follow along as I write and record a new song. If you've not listened to part one, I highly encourage you to go back, give it a listen, and then come back and listen to this episode. Since this is a continuation of the previous episode, I'm just going to dive right in. So assume your favorite podcast listening position or activity, as here we go. Part 1. The Intro I've been thinking a lot about the beginning or intro of the song. I don't like it when songs have prolonged intros, so I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet. I've decided to repeat the F and C chords twice and then come right in. I like that tight beginning. That sounds like this. Driving over the mountain or coming up from the plane I start feeling happy I just can't explain Pretty simple. A simple, direct beginning for a simple, direct song. I like it. Part 2. The Outro Now the ending or the outro, as I like to call it, makes the song complete. I like a sense of completion. As I've said before, as a live musician, I am not a big fan of fade-out endings. I mean, for Pete's sake, you can't be bothered to end the song? At any rate, this is what we currently have for the ending of the third verse. Now I guess I know the reason this place lifts my soul. Not bad, but not particularly good either. Right now, the song just kind of ends. I have a little different ending in mind that harkens back to the E major bit from earlier in the song. I've decided to change the end of the third verse so that it goes like this. Now I guess I know the reason this place lifts my soul. East Tennessee Valley. East Tennessee Valley. East Tennessee Valley. You're my home. Did you hear how we combined the little walk down from the verse and the walk down from the bridge? Sounds pretty cool, like it belongs there. 
Part 3. Creating a Lead Sheet Now that I have a complete scratch version of the song, that is, the intro, the two verses, the bridge, the third verse, and the outro, I like to create a lead sheet. Up until now, everything I've done has been recorded in a word processor or in the form of lyrics and chords. This is the way that I've always written songs since I was 13 and started writing. Over the years, I've found that creating a lead sheet has enabled me to formalize the melody and prepare the song for recording with sampled and synthesized tools. What is the lead sheet? The lead sheet looks like any sheet music that you might find. In the first draft, it consists of the melody, the lyrics, and the chords. I write it in a composition app. I use an app called Finale, but there are plenty of other apps used, such as Sibelius, which is probably the most popular one. Writing down the melody forces me to make decisions about what the melody really is. If you have a keen ear, you'll notice that I was not very consistent when I sang the melody in the previous episode. Making a lead sheet enables me to make the melody more consistent as I write the melody and the chords into my computer. I'm able to play the song using the sampled or synthesized instruments included with Finale or other virtual instruments that I've acquired via other means. This is what the intro and first verse sound like when I play them in the lead sheet. I I know, exciting, huh? As you can hear, this is a bare bones chords and melody version that usually is of interest to no one except me. You can find a copy of the first verse lead sheet on the Tim Tunes group on Facebook. I posted a whole lot of extra content from this episode up there for you to look at if you wish. I don't generally complete the lead sheet before arranging the rest of the song and adding other instruments. I just kind of get excited about the song and I, I can't help myself. Plus, it keeps me interested in the song long enough to complete it. Part 4. Arranging the Song Typically, after the melody, I'll create a bass part. Although, sometimes I'll do the drum part. Except when I do the keyboards part first. So, I'm pretty flexible on the order in which instrument comes first when it comes to arranging the song. Suffice it to say that I'll create an arrangement for the intro and the first verse shortly after completing the lead sheet for the first verse, and then so on with the rest of the song. As I was putting together the melody, one of the first things that struck me was my chord pattern in the intro and the top of the verse. At first, I couldn't get the rhythm to feel right. Then, as I began to write the rest of the accompaniment, I realized that the C to F chord, that I was changing from the F on the four and a half beat of the C chord instead of on one. You'll recall that I went straight from C to F and added a little more rhythm to it. In so doing, I changed the timing of the second chord. Listen back to episode 3-7 at around 7 minutes and 35 seconds in and you'll see what I'm talking about. I think the second version sounds much better than the first version for the purpose of this song. 
I didn't realize what I was doing until I started arranging the piano part. At first, I tried to write the piano part as I imagined I played it, but it sounded bland and didn't fit into the character of the song. Then I went back and tried to write out exactly what I was doing on guitar. The result was great. It had exactly the character I wanted for the song. That new section sounds like this on piano. So then I proceeded to arrange the rest of the song, creating the bass part and the drums. I wanted to make sure that the bass part was driving the song forward, so there's lots of eight notes in the mix. When I included some accents and slurs to further emphasize the beat of the song, a slur is there to move you from one note to a different pitch without articulating the second note. So, without a slur is like this, da-da, while with a slur is like this, da In the bass part, you'll hear something like this, I had a lot of fun with the bass part. I hope it comes through in the recording. Here's a little bit of the bass part in the intro so you can see what I'm talking about. Now, on to drums. It's not unusual for me to create a basic drum pattern that gets repeated for much of the song. This pattern is often referred to as a drummer's ride. I come back later to do fills and add cymbals and other cool stuff and to make the drum part more interesting. When I was first writing drum parts, I used to create incredibly dense parts, impossible for a human drummer to play. Now, I imagine myself playing and make sure that I have enough hands and feet and pedals to at least have a semblance of the reality in my drum parts. Here's the drum section from the intro parts that I played before. Huh? Pretty exciting stuff, huh? I'm kidding. Finally, I'll go back and add dynamics and other elements like tempo changes and articulations to emphasize or de-emphasize particular phrases. Once I was done, I realized that I wanted an instrumental track, so I wrote a piano instrumental based on the melody of the second verse. I didn't go too far afield from the melody because, well, it's just not that sort of song. So here is the arrangement with piano, bass, and drums. I've also included the melody played on a tenor sax.
Okay, I'm feeling pretty good about that. By the way, I've posted files for this version of the arrangement as a FLAC audio file, a MIDI file version, and a PDF of the sheet music for this section on the Tim Tunes Podcast Facebook group. Or you can contact me directly at timtunespodcast at gmail.com and request a copy of any of those files. Now that I have the MIDI arrangement, I'll use it as a basis for arranging and recording the rest of the song. We'll transfer the MIDI data from this arrangement into my recording tool, Cakewalk. Once there, I have a vast plethora of instruments and effects that I can assign to each track. Don't assume that what you've heard is the final mix. Once I move into the Cakewalk recording tool, I'll select sounds that will give the song a little more space. I can control the virtual space that the song is recorded in much better than I can in the Finale Composing tool. It sounds a little dense to me. I may even remove some sections before I'm finished. Right now, there isn't a whole lot of air or space in the movement. It needs a chance to breathe. <laughs> I'm famous for thinking more is more, so I should be very careful about it. As my father used to tell me, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Let's save this arrangement made with our Finale Composing Tool and then export it into our Cakewalk Recording Tool. Now that we've loaded the Finale file into Cakewalk, we can assign various virtual instruments to the different tracks. Each track is then assigned an instrument to play the track. Most of these instruments are made from what are called sampled instruments. Sampled instruments are actual recordings of instruments as opposed to synthesized instruments, which are instruments that are created entirely electronically. So, with a sampled instrument, some human being played the notes you hear. These notes are recorded and then assigned a note value so that you can play the sounds via a keyboard or via a composing tool such as Finale. High-quality sampled instruments have multiple recordings for each note. This is done because the sound may differ depending on how the note is played. A quality composition tool like Finale will pick the right recorded sound for a note based on the volume I use. Think piano or forte or any articulation marks that I might use. Think of plucking a violin as opposed to playing it with a bow. Selection of the instruments is critical to the final song. For instance, to open things up a bit, I've selected a very bright plucked bass instrument for the bass. The instrument I've selected reminds me of the sound of John Entwistle on the Who's live recordings or Chris Squire of Yes on the song Roundabout. It really punches through and adds energy and definition without muddying up the mix with a lot of lower bass sounds. I also have a beautiful piano sampled instrument that's not available to me in Finale. I use an effect on the sampled instrument that widens the stereo image of the piano. This makes the instrument seem warmer but more present in the mix. I'm able to bring the piano out without using compression or EQ or any other effects. For the drum sampled instrument, I selected a wooden kit in a small room. You can really hear the quality of the drums for the drum kit. Sampled cymbals are very tough to do. This is because in part the sound of cymbals is very complex and changes a lot over the length of the sound. 
I've heard very few really good simple samples, and unfortunately that's the case here. Because the bass part and the piano parts are very busy, I decided to make the drum part somewhat sparse. Sure, there are some basic frills, but for the most part I've kept it simple. Now, we can add the last instrument to our recording, the guitar. I don't usually use sampled instruments for the guitar because they all sound awful to me. I'm sure that real keyboard players feel the same about sampled acoustic and Rhodes pianos. Recording a live instrument into the arrangement changes it and adds a human element that can seem lacking. The sampled instruments are just too perfect. Without some human micro-inflections and variation of timing, volume, and frankly mistakes, the music can sound kind of soulless. To record the guitar, I plugged my effects pedal directly into my mixer. I went around and around with different types of guitars and effects. I wanted to avoid something that would muddy the mix with too much distortion. At the same time, I wanted the guitar to be full. I also wanted to avoid distortion so I could hear the notes in the chords. After recording several different versions, I concluded that I needed to simplify the guitar part. In creating the keyboard part directly from the guitar part, I found that I couldn't use the original guitar part used when we first created the song. So, I simplified the guitar part to only three notes and raised it an octave. This is a short sample of the original version. And now here's the version in the new arrangement. I also added a more distorted guitar for additional support at the beginnings of the verses the bridge, and the very end of the song. In all, the guitar part consists of three different tracks. For the next mix, I added a staggered beginning. That means that instead of having all the instruments come in at once, I stagger them. In this case, I start with the bass part, and then add the drums, followed quickly by the guitar, and then piano. Now, let's listen to the result of what we have so far. By the way, if you're not tired of hearing this song yet, I'd be amazed.
Okay. Well, the only thing I'll say about that mix is that mixing requires fresh ears. By that, I mean it's almost impossible to get a good mix right after recording a particular instrument. I think that's happened in this case, although I'll leave it for you, dear listeners, to decide what's not mixed right. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode. In our next episode, we'll finish the song by recording the vocals and making the final mix. Then, we'll make a master of the recording and publish it online. By the way, my Patreon site is now up and running at patreon.com slash timtunes. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can subscribe for a monthly donation of $3 to become a Tim Tuna level donor or $5 for the Tim Tune Saints level. In return for your patronage, you'll have access to all kinds of extra content like outtakes and different versions of songs and show scripts and such. Tim Tune Saints will have complete online access to my song library stored in high-quality FLAC format. You'll also know that your support will enable me to continue to provide this podcast. I spend as many as 50 hours on a single episode, depending on how much new content I wish to include. If you choose to donate, then I thank you in advance. If not, then you can also help the podcast by liking or reposting my Facebook posts, or if you listen on iTunes, please rank me favorably. That'll go a long way towards increasing my reach. However you choose to support the show, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.